I want you to consider with me tonight that it is midnight. It's just as black as that slide is. Uh, it's not black there. It is up here. Three places I want to go tonight on the way to freedom that requires GPS. Probably all of you have had experience of following your GPS somewhere. And just about the time you get to a critical turnoff or you think you're about to miss your road, it may say something like signal lost. I'm going to go to a place tonight that you'll never lose the signal. Three places on our way to freedom requires GPS. It is midnight, and the first stop we're going to make tonight on the way to freedom is a place called Gethsemane. Matthew chapter 27, Matthew chapter 26 says, Then cometh Jesus with his disciples into a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane was a place called the Olive Press. I'm picturing it was in the, sometime in the wee hours of the night or morning that our Savior went into Gethsemane. If you spent much time there thinking about him, it wouldn't be long till you'd see him knelt down and he's praying. The Bible says that he prayed in this place until his sweat became as great drops of blood. There was a decision to be made. The Son of God made a decision to be completely obedient to his Father. Don't ever miss that one. His purpose was to obey the Father. Lo, I come in the volume of the book to do thy will, O God. And there, he's making a decision. He's choosing. He's making a choice. He's making a choice to do something this night so that you can make a choice this night. He's making a decision to go to a place that he's going to need to go alone so that you don't ever have to go to this place alone. You don't have to walk through life alone. There he is in the garden. He tells his friends to watch and pray, but it isn't very long. He goes back to them, and they're sleeping. And he chooses to go to the place in his Father's heart that you can go tonight. He chooses to completely surrender to his Father's will. The angels come and, and minister to him. I don't know what it would be like in heaven. I've wondered. I don't know. I've wondered sometimes if maybe if everything in heaven just went silent. Just imagine a half hour, an hour's silence in glory as every angel stands and waits for the decision. He makes a choice. Tonight, while your heart's still beating, you have a choice. He made a choice for his father, and he made a choice for us. Tonight, we have the same option. A choice for the father, and a choice for us. Jesus chose to take my sin all of my sin so that no sin needs to 
hold anyone back tonight. No sin. When he looked in the cup, he took every man's sin. That was his choice. I don't have to have my sin identifying me anymore. Never again. He took that identity upon him. Gethsemane is the first stop. The pavement was the next one. <laughs> the Bible says in St. John chapter 19 that Pilate brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement. Now the pavement, as I understand it, is just a big, large rock, a stone, maybe about three foot by four feet. It was a hard place. I'm going to tell you, judgment is a hard place. Jesus made a decision to go to the place of judgment at a place called the pavement so that you and I can make a choice that we don't have to ever face judgment for our Adamic sin. We can have absolute freedom. He took my judgment at the place called the pavement. That's where they whipped him with whips and beat him at the place called the pavement. He made a choice to go to that place to take my judgment and to take yours. On our way to freedom, there's a stop at Gethsemane, a stop at the pavement, and lastly, the place of the skull. And out there at the place of the skull, the Bible says in Mark, John chapter 19, that he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull. Jesus made a choice to go to this place so that the Bible could one day read something like this. He became sin for us who know no sin 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 20, uh, the last verse, so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Him. Now, Gethsemane and pavement and the skull is called GPS. And that's what defines us tonight. That's what gives us our position. That's what gives you your position. Of course, after the resurrection, bringing life into this, we can come tonight in complete freedom. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Tonight, I refuse to live the way I used to live because I'm not the person I used to be. The book of Romans says in chapter 6, words like this, God be thanked that we were the servants of sin. We were the servants of sin. But you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being made free from sin, you become the servants of righteousness. That's the three places on the way to freedom from myself. There's something that I've taught in many places of the world, and I learned it from Anthony's grandpa. It's just simple, but it's touched me. He told me one time, he says, this stuff that we're all wrapped in, this called flesh, Maybe we call it ourselves. 
It'll never go to heaven. It'll never go to hell. It just goes back to the dust. It wants all it can get. Takes all it can get. And that's stuff we're all wrapped with tonight. But we do not have to obey our flesh tonight. Because of the place of Gethsemane, the place of the pavement, because of the place of the skull, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I do not have to be imprisoned by my flesh, by myself tonight. There's a lot more prisons in the world than just prisons that's made out of bamboo and prisons that's made out of stones and prisons that's made out of concrete and prisons that's made out of iron. There's another prison that we're talking about tonight. It's probably the most dangerous and devastating prison of all. It's myself. Are you in prison tonight? Are you free? Sometimes our prisons look a little bit like this when our life just revolves around us. Our life revolves around us. And we call that self. And we've been called tonight to be free from ourself. Are you free from yourself? Do you desire to be recognized? You ever find yourself dropping names or just dropping hints of things that you've done, things that you're doing, maybe some postings that you're making? You just kind of have a way of maybe acting like you really didn't aim to mention it, but you just kind of mentioned it anyway, and maybe somebody happened to notice. What is that? What about your achievements? Just a passing comment that you make about your achievements. I know it can be a struggle, and I know that's always the motive behind it that that's the real issue. God does give us gifts, and we don't want to hide those gifts. Some of you have gifts to come up here and do things that I would never have to do. I'm glad you don't hide those. It's always the motivation behind it. Always focusing on my performance. How good am I doing? If someone asks you to do something, do you find yourself making excuses? Well, we're not good singers. Well, I didn't know about this. Well, I haven't practiced. Why do we do that? Could it be a cage? Could it be self? You find yourself blaming others and looking down on others when they fail, like, I can't believe they did that. You find yourself being defensive when someone criticizes you. You try to justify yourself. Do you find yourself trying to cover up when you've made mistakes and you've been called out? Are you in a prison? Or are you free? Are you free tonight? You find yourself feeling better about yourself when you think you've performed well. Do you secretly ever believe that if circumstances were different in your life, that you would be happy? You ever find yourself trying to control others?
You find yourself trying to top stories. Someone tells a story and you, you can't hardly wait till they get done. Maybe you don't even wait till they get done. You got one that's just a little bit bigger. Or you've heard one that's bigger. Do you ever think that God is too slow working in your life? You're starting to feel like that you're a victim. You feel like you're a victim and so you begin to realize that gets you some attention and you start highlighting your pain. Or you highlight your lamp. Is that freedom? You feel like there's no purpose. It's impossible for you tonight to break a habit. You have any habits that you just feel like secretly, I wonder if it may be impossible. I'll give it one more try. Is that really how we break a habit? Giving it one more try? Is that why he went? Is that why he went to the garden and he went to the pavement and he went to the skull just so I could try harder? Or so I could find freedom in him? I think sometimes I, I just sat up in my room while I go and I, I wept. And then the tears flowed down my life, my face as I looked at my life. My parents cannot relate to me. I know they can't. I don't know whether I'll ever get over my sexual struggle. Maybe I'm an addict. I wonder if there's any hope for me. I'm sure if I shared my struggle in my prayer group, I'm not sure they'd understand. And we may not, but there's somebody in your prayer group that will understand. He's the one that was out there in the garden. He's the one that had his back bruised and beat at the pavement and he hung on the cross. Does he need to do any more to prove that he understands and that he cares to free me from myself so I can be free to live for him? Would you say tonight that God is enough? to make you happy? Do you think it would take God plus anything else to make you happy tonight? If it would take God plus anything else to make you happy tonight, ask yourself, are you free? Do you think God's grace is sufficient for your problems? A free person has found the sufficiency of God's grace for the ugliest, blackest night of their life, for the night they'd give anything to forgive, to forget and get out of their life. They'll find sufficient grace for that life. All oh, today when the brothers was up here talking, I could hardly keep my seat. And they handled it well. By the word of God tonight, we must present the truth. And the truth is this, that if a man sins and he confesses his sins, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth him from all sin. And Hebrews chapter 10, beginning verse 19 through 22, says that the blood of Jesus Christ purges my conscience from sin and dead works and gives me boldness before his throne. Otherwise, we'd have to take our little hymn book and take out the song that says, The vilest sinner may return. 
the way I live my life, freedom free from myself or in bondage to myself, will give a message to someone whether they think they can return or no. I'll finally be happy when I get out on my own. Thinking about sex doesn't hurt anyone. I'd like to be free, but I've put up too good of a front. I don't want to come up to the altar and, and have freedom from my sin. Is that real freedom? I can't overcome my sins. It's too hard to do what is right. That's why our Savior went to Gethsemane, to the pavement, to the skull, and burst forth from his grave, because it is too hard. It's a free gift. <laughs> it's a gift up here at the altar tonight. If some of you find yourself you're not free, there'll be an invitation given. You want to take the ultimate plunge of humility and you want to dive off the cliff by faith tonight, looking at the fact, forget the feelings. It's only one choice away. Freedom is only one choice away tonight from any one of us. If you were to go out there that day at the place of the skull, there was two men. I'm going to talk about this man over here first. Actually, for a while, they were both in the same camp. Both of these men were close to the Savior. They communicated back and forth. Am I free from myself? Let's say this man here, he is going to visit with Jesus. Listen to a man that is chained to himself. He attacks God. Why don't you do something? Are you saying that to God? You see this condition I'm in, Lord? Why don't you do something? You ever attack God? Why did you make me this way? Why did you allow my circumstances to be the way they are? What are the things I'm saying tonight in my heart that attacking God? When I'm chained to myself, I attack God. When I'm chained to myself, I want my best life now. Get me down from the cross, he said. Save yourself and save us. If you're Christ, why don't you come down from the cross and get us down too? That sounds like a man that is chained to himself. Self-centered. Get me down. I'm hurting. I shouldn't have to suffer like this. I shouldn't have to hurt. My life shouldn't be where it is. Do something, Lord. Chain to self finds I'm irritated. You just start taking every one of these right over here to the table. Irritated, self-centered. He said, I, something's got to change. Sensitive, he was very sensitive in his accusations toward Christ. He it almost like he was blaming Christ. If you find yourself blaming God or blaming others for your circumstances tonight, do you think that could be a chain?
resentful. Refined feelings of resentment. I have rights. Get me down from this cross. Change my circumstance. Sounds like I have rights. All the while he gave up all his right. So I could give up my right. So I could be right. With him. And with each other. Self-pity. A man that's chained himself will do everything possible to avoid the cross. Get me down. He focuses on his temporal life. He's praying for a better life. He is so close. Where are you tonight? So close. First day of Bible school. Maybe in your prayer groups, you got so close. There's still that secret that you haven't told. There's still that place in your heart that you haven't opened up. It's so close. So close to the Savior. Well, the Bible says that they both felt that way until finally the other thief, he got free. He really got free. He looked at freedom. He was looking right at freedom. Looking right at him. Are you looking at freedom tonight? Looking right at freedom. How could we miss it? Bend to the pavement, bend to the garden, out of the cross, gave up every, every bit of his freedom to obey his Father completely. And the byproduct, I hope this doesn't humiliate you too much, the byproduct was our salvation. He came to obey the Father. He fears God. He told the other thief, don't you fear God? If you're chained tonight to yourself, do you fear God? He confessed his guilt. Confess our guilt. He says, I'm needy. We need help. He confessed it. He says, we deserve this, but this man doesn't deserve it. He claimed his own sinfulness and declared the righteousness of Christ. He said, or I think he thought, time is short. He only had just a little bit to live. And I heard today, how long do we have to live? just at the threshold of eternity, this man declares Christ to be Lord. And he asks him, Lord, remember me. He made a choice of confidence. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He believed the truth. He had an eternal view that viewed the kingdom that went way beyond his circumstances. I think sometimes we get so focused on that cage around me. We fail to, this man was, this man wasn't thinking a thing about his pain or his flesh in his statement. But he was kingdom minded. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. His view went way beyond the cross. 
His view went way beyond his circumstances. His view went way beyond his suffering. His view went way beyond the situation that had brought him to this place in life. <laughs> oh, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. But in a few moments, he was beyond completely free. Because Jesus says today, you will be with me in paradise. He lost his life to Jesus Christ. He needs Jesus Christ, and I need Jesus Christ. And he received the assurance of freedom. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Today can be the day. Tonight can be the night. If there's anything holding you back tonight, if something has got you locked up, you feel like you're still in a cage. You are not free from self. It's not your testimony that I'm completely free, Lord. There's still something tonight holding me back. God bless you if that thief on the cross could change from being an atheist to a believer in just a few seconds. How much more those of us that have been taught and retaught the Word of God, some of us from our youth up. And we're still trying to make some decisions. Well, maybe if I could just have a little better deal over here or whatever. This man, I want to say, his pain wasn't over. He still finished out his life. I don't think anything changed for him right there at that moment except for his confident assurance. And when, you, when you're ready to come out of that cage, your situation may not change. His didn't either. But he was a free man. Are you free? used to have a little neighbor girl. Every evening she'd get home from school. Their house was just a, probably about six feet from our house. I'd tell Judy, I just have so much to do. And she'd come up to the study and her best English, Marl, are you free? Inside, I didn't always feel like I was, but I, I would say, yes, I'm free. You can come over. <clears throat> Jesus is saying, are you free? Well, I want to talk about believing the truth, about the truth, and then give you three keys to freedom. Jesus said in John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Let's open our Bibles to St. John. We're going to finish off the evening here. Are you free? St. John Chapter 8, 32, and uh, I'm going to start in 31. Uh, I'm starting in verse 30, and he spake these words. Many believed on him. These are believers. And they said, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, I'm speaking to you tonight as believers. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I don't mean to make this funny, but, excuse me. 
Did you ever have a dream that <laughs> you went to church in your pajamas or anything like that? <clears throat> they say things that you fear, you dream, and I've had some dreams that way. And Oh, it's such a blessing to wake up and find out it's not true. <laughs> I never, ever fret about that for one second the moment I find out it's not true. There's no more power over me. That's the same way with lies that we believe. Do you ever dream you're falling off a cliff and you wake up just before you hit the bottom? I don't know what happened if, if, if you didn't wake up. I guess you wouldn't wake up. <laughs> But when you, and you wake up, your heart's beating hard and you're afraid, but when you find out it's just a dream, how long do you continue to fear the bottom? Finished. That's what the truth does. The devil's feeding us lies. He's feeding you lies right now. He's saying, preacher, he doesn't know what he's talking about. If he only knew my decision, if he only knew my situation, if he only knew what I've been through, if he only knew what I'm going home to, that's a lie. There's not a person in this house tonight that cannot be free from themselves. Let me show you what this looks like. Come here, Trevor. Now I'm going to do something. Trevor can't help it, but uh, it wouldn't put it on. But what, what, what are, you see what he just did? What did he just do? He, he chained himself. Chained himself. That's exactly what he did. He doesn't have to. This is, this is free. But what he did... He put it on himself, and that's what always happens. And this is really how ridiculous it is. I used to look at the elephants in Thailand, and some of you have been there and seen them. Great big elephants held with a little bitty rope about the size of my finger. They could have ripped, they could have just rolled over or sneezed and pulled the barn down. But they were believing that they were in bondage because all their life they'd been in bondage. Now just, just feel those chains. See how locked up he is. But it's just to himself. There's nothing else. The moment that he decides to believe the truth, he's free. You can just rip him off. He's free. You can go. One choice. And that's it. The chains are broken. Free at last. Maybe you have chains you want to add to that pile tonight. It's a good place to leave chains at the altar of God. Three keys to freedom. The <clears throat> The first key to freedom is believing the truth. John 8, 31, there it is, to those Jews which believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The obvious key to freedom, the first key, is believing the truth. And I would encourage, if you're struggling tonight, go on a truth hunt. I think too many times when we work with, with people, we tend to focus on the problem. We set our besetting sin before us, and oh, if I could just get rid of this thing, or this, whatever it is, I don't want to give you ideas. Let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. We need to be on a truth hunt. That's the key to freedom. And the truth is Jesus. We must get to Jesus. 
It's not just about an intellectual, philosophical, religiosity experience. It's we must get to Jesus. Jesus is the way and the truth. And that's where the life is. Without the way, there is no going. Without the truth, there is no knowing. Without the life, there is no living. The first key to freedom is believing the truth. I don't have to live the way I used to live because I'm not the person I used to be. Likewise, reckon yourselves, Romans 6 and 11, to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord, who you yield yourselves servants to obey as servants you are to whom you obey. I don't have to obey sin. There's no piece of flesh on your body tonight that you have to obey. There's nothing. When Jesus Christ sets me free, free from sin and death, I don't have to obey any longer. Believe the truth. Number two, the second key is to continue in the truth. John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, if you continue, there's that, there's that uh, organic, intimate connection, remaining, enduring, fleshing it out. I had a lady one time says, when she sat down to read the Bible, she had a horrible thing happen in her life. And she forgave, and she forgave, and she forgave. But every time she sat down to read the Bible, she said, there's a little lie book beside me in her mind. She said, I'm so tempted to get that lie book out. But should I just get the truth book out? I continue in the truth. And the last I talked to that woman, she was a free woman. Jesus came to bear witness of the truth. No compromising with the truth. Continue in the truth. It's not about just resting in your church or resting in your devotions or resting in your reputation. It's about abiding in the vine, continuing in the truth. And last of all, surrender to the truth. John 8, 31 says, Then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we have to yield, surrender, to the greater power. Just going to God to be going to God because it's the thing to do to be going to God is not going to gain you anything unless you completely surrender. Take the hands completely off the steering wheel. Get into the trunk complete surrender. That's what continuing truth looks like. The cage that holds me back tonight is a lie cage. I'm giving you an invitation before the evening's over. The key that lets me experience the sufficiency of Christ is my identity. It is the truth that I can choose to believe. I had a very embarrassing situation one time. I almost preached the wrong funeral. I got the wrong funeral home. It's too long of a story to tell. And I'll tell you, I was never so glad in my life to surrender to the truth when I got to the right one. I think to this day, what would have happened if I had preached the wrong funeral? The wrong lady. Just a funeral home two blocks down the street, same time. But the truth has set me free. Not I, but Christ is what real freedom is. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I Live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, 
who loved me and gave himself for me, losing my identity in Christ. Are you free? Are you embracing the truth? Are you continuing in the truth, remaining in the truth? Is something giving you life besides Christ? Can you give God thanks if things never change and your circumstances never change? Can you still be thankful? Do you think you get your identity more from what you do than for who you, than for who you are? Those are some of the key things. Would you be okay with the Holy Spirit stirring a fire up inside of you? I'm going to tell you something that preachers know about and I think everybody knows about. Adrenaline can be addicting. You can have a, a spiritual experience sometime, but it doesn't always necessarily mean it was the truth. It's a fine line. Always make sure it's the truth. Keep your eyes on the Savior, not your own strength. Look forward to being completely out of control. Be okay with dying to yourself so that he can live. In summary, this is a picture of repentance. I'm calling us all to repentance. In just a little bit, we're going to close. This is a picture of the heart, and all of you have a heart tonight. King David, before his son Solomon took over the throne, he says, son, you need to have a perfect heart and a willing mind. And in repentance, it's when the heart and the mind walk together. You could have a situation where, I've did it this way before, you just picture the heart is coming down this wall and the mind is coming down this wall and they meet in the corner and the heart says, I don't want to go to hell. The heart says, I, I'm tender. I want to do what's right. The heart's feeling. And the mind says, no way, not tonight. Not yet. So you've got a perfect heart, but you've got an unwilling mind. It's possible the other direction. You could have the willing mind coming down the wall and the willing mind is coming over here and they're going to meet in the corner and the willing mind says, tonight is the night. Tonight is the night. And the heart's just uh, not quite there to buy in. I remember a woman one time, years ago, we had a night meeting in the middle of the week in Kansas and a woman that hardly ever came to church. About three-fourths of the way through the message as the word of God was thundering through that house, this woman went hysterical. She couldn't take it anymore. She got up. She wailed her way out of the house. And as far as I know, she never went back in the house again until they carried her in as a corpse and had her funeral right there. I don't know what your heart and your mind is saying tonight. It's possible to have a perfect heart and it's possible to have a, a willing mind. And when that perfect heart and that willing mind come together, that's what they call repentance. It's called the amen corner of your soul. Tonight, you're in the amen corner of your soul. I'm going to ask you to stand. I don't know where you found yourself tonight. 
in just a while, in just a little bit, we're going to sing. But before we start singing, I'm going to extend to you an invitation. I'm going to ask you tonight, are you free from the devil's lies? Are you free? Would you like to be free if you're not free? Would you like to be completely free? Would you like to show God and like to show men? I'll do whatever it takes to be free in you. Are you free from condemning thoughts about yourself and about others? Are you free from the bondage of sin? Are you saying, Lord, tonight I'm in living in a lie cage. I believe lies. I'm believing lies tonight. And tonight I'm choosing to let the truth set me free. I've been condemning myself. I've been condemning others. I've been in and maybe currently in sin's bondage and I'm choosing to be free tonight. Tonight I choose to believe the truth. I choose to continue in the truth and surrender the truth. I just want you to close your eyes, every eye closed. You picture that scene out there at Gethsemane and on toward the pavement. Up there at the place of the skull. All of that to offer truth that'll never change, never deceive you, never walk out on you. Never shortchange you, take advantage of you. Never regret it. Stay with you forever. And give you a message to give to the next generation, the next generation, and ultimately take out the door to your world. We're going to sing this song. We're going to sing it together. Softly, and if you want to come forward and pray, you want to come forward and pray, you come forward and pray, and when the song is over, we'll have a prayer over you.